Today on episode 21 of the Be A Marketer podcast, you'll hear from a business owner on a mission to help creative people make a living doing what they love. And I'm sharing how I learned to be a better marketer, and you can too, thanks to a children's Halloween musical. This is the Be A Marketer podcast. My name is Dave Charest, Director of Small Business Success at Constant Contact, and I've been helping small business owners like you make sense of online marketing for over 16 years. You can be a marketer, and I'm here to help. Well, hello, friend, and welcome to another episode of the Be A Marketer podcast. Today, I wanted to share a little story for you, and I'll start with a quote from this children's Halloween musical that I enjoyed performing in many years ago. And it goes, we're all doing things we weren't born to do. Now, in this Halloween musical, I played a werewolf who tries his luck at being a barber after the World Holiday Commission decides to cancel Halloween because they're not making enough money. So Louie, the werewolf, and some of our other favorite Halloween monsters are trying to do things they weren't born to do. And, well, it's completely obvious that these monsters are destined to fail. Well, why are they destined to fail? Well, because instead of doing something they're passionate about, which, funnily enough, is scaring kids at Halloween, they're left to focus on something that doesn't excite them. Instead, the monsters sing repeatedly, what am I doing here? <laughs> and so, oddly enough, this seemingly insignificant Halloween musical has had a strangely significant impact on my thinking about marketing. How so, you ask? Well, there's no question that you're passionate about your business. But I bet when it comes to marketing, that's oftentimes a different story. Maybe you feel like marketing is an obnoxious task that you dread. It makes you feel like you're being too salesy or you're bothering people. Perhaps, like Louis the Werewolf, it makes you feel like you're doing something you weren't born to do. Look, I get it. Sometimes marketing can feel a little un unnatural. But what if you thought of it as communicating your purpose instead of marketing? Because when you're focused on what it is that you're trying to do for people that you're trying to reach, you really start to get excited about it. It becomes more about serving your community than marketing. And as you'll hear from our guest today, you really can't serve your community if, well, no one knows about you. So the next time you're struggling with marketing, remember to ask yourself, what am I doing here? Well, friend, today's guest, Nicole Stevenson, is the CEO, founder, and creative director of Dear Handmade Life, a business that curates events, education, and community for creatives and passionate small business owners. Nicole is also a Constant Contact partner. Now, what I love about Nicole is her mission to help creative people make a living doing what they love. And it all started with the Patchwork Show Makers Market and Community Festival over 15 years ago. Today, Dear Handmade Life also produces the Craftcation Conference, a five-day conference in Ventura, California every spring with over 200 workshops and activities focused on crafting and business. Today, they also have a podcast, a blog, a membership community for creative business owners, and of course, ongoing social activities. And I'll also mention that Constant Contact and Dear Handmade Life are hosting a free online digital marketing summit for creatives called Marketing for Makers on July 11th and 12th of 2023. 
It's two days of free workshops from industry experts to help you create an on-brand strategy, content that you love, and take the meh out of marketing. I'm going to include the link to that in the show notes for you. Now, on with today's show. I asked Nicole to take us back to the first market she produced. Let's pick up the conversation there. I remember being so nervous the night before I tossed it and turned in my bed like, is anybody going to come to it? You know, and the <laughs> night before I was so stressed that I like went out into like the downtown area and just like was handing out postcards to people. I was just like, hey, I'm having this craft fair tomorrow. Come on down, please. And everybody came and they loved it. And everybody wanted to know when the next one was going to be. And, you know, we were like, it's going to be in the spring. Yeah, we have it twice a year. It's in the spring and the fall. And it, yeah, that's it. So it kind of went from there. So we did it in that city for a while. And then eventually, you know, just through knowing people, knew somebody who was like, what about doing it in Long Beach? So it was like, okay, I guess we could do this in two cities, you know, and it just, it really happened organically. It wasn't anything that we were like, let's turn this into like a craft show empire. It was just, and then it got to the point where I realized I can either do my handmade business or I can do this and I can't do both anymore. And I decided to, I remember I, I talked to a business coach and she was like, let's just try this. She was like, put your Etsy shop on vacation and just like, let's just see, just put it on vacation for a month and let's just see. I never went back. <laughs> that was it. I turned it off and I just was like, this is my focus now. And it's been my focus ever since. Not that I don't like to make stuff here and there, <laughs> but overall, yeah. Well, so then when does craftcation come up? So, yeah, so I guess about four years into producing the craft shows, patchwork show, I started to notice that our vendors were asking us a lot of questions like, hey, I mean, at this time, this was a while ago. So they were like, how do I accept credit cards? There was no Square or Venmo or anything back then. So it was it was harder to figure those things out. So they wanted to know how to accept credit cards. They wanted to know um, how much sales tax they should be charging if they needed to, where they were supposed to submit it, you know, how to get the word out about their shows. There, there wasn't really social media back then the way we have it now. They were asking us a lot of questions. So we started having these little get-togethers where we would invite all the vendors and we would invite somebody to come and speak. So either we would speak or, you know, somebody we knew who was an expert in something, you know, and my mom would make snacks and I would make cupcakes. And, you know, it was very, very, very grassroots. And so that was when we started to see this need, you know, for the education and the connection aspect, because it wasn't just that they were asking for that education, but they were really excited to talk to each other about how they were going through the same things. So that was kind of in the back of our minds. And then the city of Ventura reached out to us to bring Patchwork Show there. So we were driving there and we got stuck in really bad traffic and started talking about, you know, this need in our community and how we could fill it. And by the time we got to the meeting, we were like, we know you want us to bring Patchwork Show here. But we have this other event, it's called Craftcation, and it's a conference, and we had just made it up in the car, but we acted like, you know, it was a full business plan, you know, in place. And we proposed it to them as if it were, you know, a thing we'd been thinking about forever. And that first one wasn't, again, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to start a conference and we're going to do this every year. It was like, we're going to put this Craftcation on. And then we did it and we were like, oh my gosh, we've got to do this again. You know, it was so uh, impactful in the community and just seeing, you know, we thought people need this. And then to see that people actually did need it and that we were, you know, able to give them this thing that 
you know, I was missing in my business when I was doing what they did was just such an incredible feeling to think that they didn't have to feel so alone and so in need of this information and not knowing what to do the way that I felt. So I want to go back to some of this stuff, but I first want to get a timeline here too, just in terms of when did you, when did like the membership part of things come in as well for the business side? So in 2020, COVID happened (laughs) and being an in-person events producer, my entire business was, (laughs) you know, gone in an instant. So during that time, we ended up, you know, thinking about doing online things and Katie Mack on my team, who's our COO and director of digital, had been wanting to do a membership model for a while, but it was just never, we never had the bandwidth to add something like that because we were doing in-person events. It's like planning a wedding every weekend. (laughs) It's a lot. And so with that taken off of our plates, we produced an online, we called it camp. And it was a basically an online summer camp themed craft and business summit. Constant Contact was part of it. It was really incredible. Again, it was something that all of these creatives were stuck at home. You know, we were trapped at home and we we needed this. And we, Katie and I, needed it, you know, as, as human beings. And then we thought, are we going to be able to translate this like vulnerability and this creativity and all of these things to the online space? And I think because we were able to be vulnerable, you know, because I was able to, you know, go there day one and be like, hey, I'm going to start crying now. You know, it just like opened that door for other people to truly be themselves. So we had the camp and then we were like, okay, are we going to do this again? And I just got this feeling that it was like a once a once thing, as awesome as it was and as successful beyond what we thought <laughs> it was. I felt like it was just a special experience. It was just for the people who were there and that I didn't want to try to recreate that. I mean, some of the, we put people into cabins, these accountability cabins, and those cabins still meet. It's been like three years (laughs) and some of them are still meeting on their own. You know, the camp is long gone, (laughs) (laughs) but we did want to create some kind of online space. And so that was when we started thinking about the membership model that Katie brought up and thinking about, okay, how could we do this and make it feasible, you know, for us to do all the other things we do and do this and make it super valuable for our community. It's probably been a year and a half, maybe almost two years that we've had the club. So when you think about, if you don't mind sharing, just kind of like where the breakdown is just like percentage wise, right? Like in terms of like where your like revenue comes from for the business, like what are the breakouts between those items? Yeah, I would say patchwork show and craftcation are number one. It'll vary between the two. Usually patchwork show is like leading. It's It was weird because we went from having our most successful year in 2019 to having our least successful year in 2020. You know, it was like the first time in forever that I was like, oh, wow, I don't owe any taxes. <laughs> like I, you know, it was like, okay, I'm getting money back. Is this a thing that happens? You know? So yeah, as hard as that was, like we're still kind of rising up from that. But yeah, I would say it's mostly our in-person events. So patchwork craftcation and then club after that. And then after that, we have like merchandise that we sell. And that's kind of an afterthought. And I think that that's why it's such a small part of our revenue. Gotcha. All right. So I want to go back now. 
because I just want to get a lay of the land a little bit. But if we go back to patchwork, so obviously you're doing your own crafting stuff. You've been to events and so you understand how they work. But have you ever run an event or done your own as you're getting into this? So what was that like? I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had never run an event. You know, the only thing that I had done, I mean, I guess you could kind of consider it running an event is um, I kind of started my art career as a painter and doing like small affordable paintings and selling them at the flea market and on the boardwalk in Venice Beach. And at one point there was a little coffee shop that we used to go to and we were like, hey, can we curate the art for your walls? Because there's nothing on your walls right now. So we would do that and then we would have an opening night and like I would sell my, you know, handmade stuff there. So I think that that's like the closest, but that was really like on such a small scale that, you know, if you were like, I'm going to go to Disneyland. So to prepare, I'm going to ride on a swing at the park. (laughs) There was a really big gap between the two. (laughs) So, yeah, so that there wasn't a lot of knowledge (laughs) of event production. I mean, I don't know where you're supposed to get permits, (laughs) you know, things like that, that we didn't do. And then eventually, because my partner had a relationship with the police in the town, they were like, hey, you know, we know you've been putting on this craft fair, like you got to get a permit next time, guys. And we were like, okay, sorry, you know. (laughs) What was most challenging for you during that time when you're first starting to put on these shows? And then, yeah, how did you figure your way into it? Definitely trying to balance that with my own business was very challenging. And then trying to figure out how to do everything for the first time. When I look at the systems we have in place now, and I think about how we did it back then, and when I think about all the things that I did on my own then, compared to the things that I have spread out amongst my team now, it's, I don't know how I did it. There was way too much on my plate and I didn't know how to do any of it. Everything I was doing, I was figuring out for the first time. I mean, I didn't even know how to do a spreadsheet. So the vendors would send in a paper application with a check (laughs) and I would sit there and open up all the envelopes and put them in piles. Yes, no, or maybe (laughs) and go through them all. And then the accepted vendors, I would take their information from the thing and I would type it and then print it onto a label and mail them out their postcards. And I remember when my aunt was watching me and she's like, you know, you could have this in a spreadsheet and do this thing called mail merge. And I was like, that sounds too technical for me. I'm just going to keep typing it on my own. (laughs) And then I would say today, right? I mean, we've had the pleasure of working together on a few items and I would say probably a big contrast, right? From that time to this time where you seem very organized and on top of it and probably know how to run a spreadsheet these days. Am I correct? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I still had that organization and that on top of itness back then. I just didn't know. I didn't have the tools to do the things that I wanted to do. It's like, I think it's that I regret glass quote where he talks about if you want to make good art, you've got to make a lot of crappy art because it's going to take you whatever, 10,000 hours or something. There's going to be this gap in between what you feel like you can make and you want to make and what you're actually capable of making. And that was what I felt, you know, just knowing, you know, I don't know any other way, (laughs) any other way to do this. Yeah. And now I get very excited by the new systems and the new ways, we moved a lot of things off of spreadsheets and into a program called Airtable that we do a lot of our product management in. And I was so apprehensive in the beginning, like the same way I was like, mail merge, that's too technical. You know, I was like, Airtable, I'm fine with my spreadsheets. 
which has been a good lesson to me to try to be more open <laughs> about changing my system. So, well, it's interesting. Tell me a little bit about that, right? Like, I think that's, uh, I mean, I guess you see it with industries all the time. And I mean, I would even argue, and we'll talk a bit about marketing. I mean, if you look at what happened in 2020, there were a lot of people who weren't doing any marketing stuff or not doing digital. And then all of a sudden, oh no, that's the only way I have to actually communicate with people. I mean, and to be fair, there was the like, well, I'm not in the store, I'm not in the thing. So it frees up to similar to your situation where like, oh, now we actually have some time to spend on this thing that we've had on the back of our mind, which I've been hearing a lot actually, which is interesting is then like, oh yeah, like then I had time to do this thing and now I have it, right? And so I guess what's that... uh, have there been other moments where you've been resistant to change in your business? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's no secret that I have anxiety and I also have obsessive compulsive disorder. So part of the way I manage that is through controlling my environment and controlling the things around me. Change is, you know, I'm not in control of the outcome. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of question there. So absolutely. I mean, there are so many times I am really lucky that I have this awesome team now who knows me really well and knows. And sometimes when they're proposing something, they're like, I don't want you to reply. Just let me explain this to you. And then we'll talk about it tomorrow. And they want me to marinate on it instead of just saying no right away. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, there are just everything, everything I've been resistant to change, but I have gotten better as time has gone on. I've tried to learn like the same way that we, try to learn as human beings, you know, from our relationships, be they, be they our romantic ones or our ones with our families or children or whatever it is to have better relationships. I try to learn from the things in my business to evolve myself as a business person to have a better business and to be a better business person. What would you say if you're looking back at just what you've done so far and how far, I mean, you've, you've been in business for many years now, which is amazing. And congratulations to you on that. What would you highlight as your biggest accomplishment so far? Cause I know we're not done yet here. Right. But like, what, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Still being in business, <laughs> what, what you said. And I think a lot of times I don't recognize that. I don't let that really sink in. And I was looking at some statistics. I think I was looking up small business statistics for like an Instagram reel I was making. And when I started to look at those statistics of, you know, how many businesses survive after this met, after this amount of years, how many of those businesses are run by women? How many of those businesses run by women make this amount of money? I'm looking and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing, you know, to see that. And then at the same time to think, how can I be a part of helping this number grow? What can I do to help this number grow? And I think that that's, at the center of everything I do. I think that's like the big thing. And then small thing is when I have a moment with someone, like there's someone on my team who the other day was saying pretty much all of team have been customers before, you know, they've come to Craftcation or they've been patchwork show vendors or usually both. And she was saying that she remembered going to her first Craftcation and walking in and seeing all the decor and seeing everything. And at that time she was in like a kind of a more corporate job. And she said, this is so cool. Like, I wonder who does this, like, that would be my dream job. And she was like, I literally have my dream job right now. And that was just 
the best feeling ever. Yeah. I want to go back to thinking of looking at the statistics and I mean, seeing that you're on the, I guess the right side of those numbers. How does that make you feel? Good. (laughs) It makes me feel like a fighter. (laughs) It makes me feel really good. And like, so my mom is a small business owner and I grew up with her. She had a house cleaning business and she retired recently and she was kind of saying something to the effect of like, I have nothing to show for it. You know, like she didn't have like a traditional job with like a 401k or this, that, or the other. And she's like all the hard work that I did. And I'm like, you have me to show for it. Like, I don't know if I would have started my own business and done that. And so all the people who are, you know, following their dreams because of what I'm doing are because you showed me the way, you know? So I don't even remember what the question was anymore, but I hope that answered it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, it's just, how does that make you feel to be doing that? Right. Curious as to where you are now, what does the business look like now, I guess, right? So like you've, it's not just you anymore. You've got some people. So tell me, give us a a lay of what that land looks like now. Yeah, it's a very interesting spot. I am learning how to be a CEO and I'm learning how to have my business work for me instead of work for my business, as they say. So I'm learning how to really delegate like not just the little things like, oh, do this little task, but, you know, to say, okay, can you manage this team of people (laughs) and to trust that all of that is going to happen the way that it needs to happen? Very different for me. And I think that like right now I'm having a hard time with being the leader of my team and then also being like a part of my team. And then also like caring about my team as people, you know, and kind of, we have like a friendship too. And that's something that I'm kind of struggling with and trying to understand and see like, how do I do this now? You know, what am I supposed to do now? So. I think it's a challenge everybody goes through, right? As you start to grow really, right. And start to build something a little bigger than yourself (laughs) at that point, you need those people. So what's been working for you, I guess, what have you found to help you kind of get over that hump, so to speak, right? therapy. (laughs) So I I realized I'm very lucky that my therapist is also happens to be a leadership coach for, you know, most of the people she works with are, as she calls them, bros in Silicon Valley. Are you getting like a discount here? Is this like a, (laughs) you lucked out with a two for one kind of, right? Right? I, I wish I was getting a discount. So yeah, my therapy session the other day was like pretty much all about you know, this kind of leadership role with my business and kind of trying to separate, like, what are the things that are my own issues as a person who had like whatever happened to them when they were young and, you know, whatever hangups I have and like, what are actual issues like with my team as a leader that need, that need to be addressed. So trying to look at it that way and like, you know, just realizing that there is a separation between me and my team. Like, I feel like my job now is to find things to do so that I can keep them employed, (laughs) you know, so like they can do all the things that I, that I used to do. And so, I mean, I'm just learning all of this right now. So I'm still really, really freshly figuring all of this out, but I do know that I have the right people. So just, I've done so much education on business and marketing and all of these things. And now I'm realizing I need to start making myself a better CEO. And like, what does that look like? And how do I do that? You know, those are like, I need to take a pause on the marketing books and like pick up the, you know, radical candor and like, you know, all of those types of books and learn more about that. 
I know you, I mean, we've had conversations about goal setting or goal getting, as you call it, right? And doing all of those things. So walk me through like kind of what is your process with setting goals for the business and and maybe even help us understand maybe what are some of your top priorities right now? Absolutely. So I do assessments. I do it on my own and with the team. It might sound archaic, but I have a Google Doc for everybody on my team for my relationship with them. Gotcha. So you, your personality assessments you're talking here or no? No, no. It's almost like a let's chat about this list. So anything we need to talk about, any ideas we have for the future, anything that needs to be changed, I'll go in this Google Doc. And so when we meet, we go through that together. So any new ideas you know, that are going to go there. And sometimes, you know, like that membership thing sat on there forever. And then eventually it gets moved up in, into a goal. And so once something becomes something that's going to happen, <laughs> you know, that we know that we want to pursue. And I'm, I'm really trepidatious about moving something to that phase because I know that once I do, I probably am not going to turn back. You know, so it takes, I have to be really sure, like I have something that I'm very interested in pursuing like another avenue of our business. And I've been thinking about it for five months, <laughs> you know, and have taken very little action on it. And I'm still in that because I know once I jump, like I am in that pool, I am not getting out, <laughs> you know, I'm swimming until my fingers and toes are prunes. And that's that. So once it gets to that point, now we use Airtable. So we, you know, take that and just start breaking it down into, so let's just say, for example, it was to produce a craft fair, you know, to find a new location for Patchwork Show. So it would say, you know, like research new locations, you know, research permitting for that location, you know, research vendors for that area. So it's like, you're kind of in the research phase. And then next to that, we would tag whoever on the team is, it's their job to accomplish that. And then there, you know, and this is all in Airtable, which is kind of like a spreadsheet on steroids is what Katie calls it. <laughs> and so we can see how everybody else on the team is doing. And when I think about a goal, I think about the goal is up here and then underneath it, you know, you break it down to the next thing. So like the first thing might be find a venue. And so then under that, it's, you know, research the cities, re you know, research the actual venues, take measurements, you know, all these different things. And then it just keeps getting broken down further. So like under, you know, take measurements, it would be get the map from the place, check their measurements, get a special measuring tool, you know, translate that into, you know, Photoshop or Canva or whatever. So I basically just try to break down each task. Like if you imagine it's almost like a sun at the top and then rays coming down. And then each of those rays has a small sun and each of those small suns have rays and small suns and it goes down and down into things that can be accomplished in ideally a few hours, less than a day for sure. And if it's something that will take longer than a day to accomplish, then it needs to be broken down further. So that's how I think about a task. Like I never want to have, and then those things go on to, it goes into Google Calendar, which is kind of like my to-do list, although I translate it there to a spreadsheet. It sounds very complicated, but it's what works for me. <laughs> I mean, it sounds very interesting because I'm sure there are a lot of people who are like, all right, like, how do you actually get crap done? Right. And I think there are 
obviously different ways to do that. But oftentimes one of the things that kind of slips through the cracks is like, okay, yeah, I want to do this thing, but then you don't actually schedule time to do the thing. And then it's like, well, when you're supposed to do it. Right. So I love you here, like hearing that kind of broken down and then translated into it ends up in the calendar. <laughs> right. Which I think is very cool. Yeah. And it, it ends up in the calendar. If it doesn't go in the calendar, it doesn't get done. And that's the thing is when people get hung up, like, how do you get this done? Well, you just do it. <laughs> like the simple answer is you just do it. The more complicated answer is you do all that stuff I just talked about and then you put <laughs> it on your calendar so that you'll do it. You know, in our club, I actually have, I've kind of broken down my process. And so I have worksheets and I have a spreadsheet template in there, which is actually the template that I use to plan out my week every week available for our club members, which we were talking about something in the club and I go, oh, let me show you how I plan out my week. And I was showing them like, where do we get this? We need to, you know, I didn't think it was, it was just something that made sense to my brain, you know, to do it that way. Yeah. So that's pretty much how that goes. It needs to go on the calendar and that's that it needs to be a non-negotiable, like a doctor's appointment. Yep. You know, one of the things you said a little bit earlier was this idea of like, you know, okay, once I'm jumping into this thing, then that's the thing I'm, you know, putting my energies behind. Have you ever run into situations, though, where you've gotten to the point where, okay, you know what, I have to let this idea go because it's not. So tell me about how'd you get to that decision process? Absolutely. I have not only been in the middle of something and realized, oh, this isn't working out, but I've also done something all the way to the end and realized, oh, that didn't work out. I try to think about it. And, you know, when we were talking about revenue streams, I think that that's like something important to bring up is not having all of your eggs in one basket when it comes to revenue streams. So, you know, for example, if someone's a maker and like your entire revenue is craft fairs and COVID happens and there are no more craft fairs, what, <laughs> you know, but if you have craft fairs, if you have some wholesale accounts, if you have your online shop and an Etsy shop and an Amazon handmade shop, and you also teach classes and all these other things, chances are you'll still be able to pay your rent and mortgage. Maybe you won't be able to put anything into savings or go out to dinner, but you'll be able to survive. So thinking of it that way, so that when I do have a quote unquote failure, which is just a learning experience, we all know, it's not, you know, the end of everything. I remember one in particular is that we were thinking about starting a trade show and having that trade show happen at Craftcation, you know, so where we would have craft brands, so like a glue manufacturer and a thread manufacturer and, you know, all of this. And just as we started in the planning process, it just became clear that something was missing. You know, I think it was a good idea, but everything that you're going to do for yourself, for your own business is really hard. You know, there's a lot involved, like in every way. Plus you're putting yourself out there emotionally. So when I was doing that, I was like, something's not sitting right with this. I was like, eh, no, <laughs> let's step back. I mean, another time we've like had partnered with other events to do patchwork show at their event and that didn't work out. So I didn't do that again. I've opened up two different retail stores where did they do well? Yeah. You know, I had a craft workshop studio. It was 15 years ago and people didn't really understand what craft workshop <laughs> workshops were. So I was, it was like a case of being like too early, which is just as bad as being too late. But, you know, it took me a couple of times to realize I don't want to have a brick and mortar space. You know, I don't want to have that responsibility of that. So yeah. And it's always hard to close the door on something. 
for me, it's like agonizing pros and cons lists, talking to a bajillion people about it, talking to my therapist about it, going back and forth about what to do, setting a long timeline of like when everything's going to happen. So yeah, it's not easy, but every time I'm like, oh, thank God I closed that shop down or thank God I did whatever it was. Yeah. I want to shift us a little bit here to, to talk about just some marketing things and then you know get into constant contact as well. But give me a sense of what is your relationship to marketing? Well, I didn't go to business school or anything, so I don't think I really understood what marketing was. I just, you know, for me, when I started my first business, I mean, my first real business, I had many businesses as a kid, but <laughs> my first real business, Random Nicole, which was my clothing line, you know, I was so excited about it. I just couldn't stop talking about it. You know, I couldn't afford to buy the kind of clothes that I wanted. So I made them <laughs> and then people would ask me about them. That was just how it was. I didn't realize that I was marketing at the time. I was just being myself and trying to survive <laughs> also. So, and then as time went on, you know, it all kind of built on itself. And it wasn't, not that I don't have moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, does anybody want to read my my dumb newsletter? Or does anybody care about this Instagram reel I just spent three hours on? Of course, everybody has moments like that. But at the same time, it's like, I love what I do. And I try to think about it less that it's about me, then it's like about my message and how I'm serving my community. And I can't serve my community if nobody knows about me. So I need to snap out of it, get over it, you know, get on there and talk about how to price your business or put on a sequin jumpsuit and get on my exercise bike and like, you know, tell somebody something and just get over myself. So this is really interesting because I think there's a couple of things here. One, yeah, the get over yourself thing is interesting because I think particularly with creative people, and I've worked with like people in theater and things like this in the past, and like marketing is kind of like a, a dirty word, right? In some instances, because it feels like you're doing something that's unnatural to you or like you shouldn't be doing that. And then there are just people that are natural at it and it doesn't feel like it's like out of place, right? But like, what do you say to the people that do have that kind of like negative reaction to it? Because I love what you did here was saying like, get over yourself can't give the people the things that they need to have right without doing it and so it's really not about you it's about them but like how do you respond to people that are like oh i don't want to or i don't like to right like i don't want to be salesy <laughs> i mean that's definitely what what i tell them and that's something that comes up in our club at crapcation with creatives that i talk to i mean you're right on to bring that up it's very common and i do tell them like it's not about you it's about your message no one's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself. <laughs> and, you know, is there some aspect of marketing that you do feel comfortable with? And why don't we try to capitalize on that and focus on that? You know, like maybe you're not comfortable being on video. Okay. Well, you don't actually have to have your face on video. You can be showing the product that you make and doing a voiceover. You know, you can be showing behind the scenes, you know, you can be, you know, telling, telling your story, you can use other people's words and photographs. I love to write. So in my newsletter, I, it's an opportunity for me to connect with my community on a deeper level. You know, usually once a month, I do a special newsletter that has like a pep talk in it. That's like this encouraging thing during the spring when we have a bajillion events, it 
is like, sorry, sorry, everybody, it's a short one this time. But then summertime, the pep talks come back, but it gives me that opportunity to share more of my story and to make that connection in a deeper way. So I think it's just looking and seeing what is the area where you do feel comfortable. I mean, there's another, like I, when Reels started, I definitely like tried to do the pointing and the dancing and like wear a pink blazer and it just didn't work out. It didn't feel good to me. And I think people knew it didn't feel good to me. So, you know, at that time when reels were kind of coming up, I had, my son was like a baby and I didn't have a choice. I had to wear him. I, I didn't have, you know, so I would wear him and try to be showing stuff and filming. And it was just like, this is how it has to be for me. I don't have, have another choice. So, you know, making it work for you, figuring out what's going to work for you. And I think it can go for email marketing as well, but any kind of marketing and I usually focus on social media when I think about this, but it's like people feel like it's an obligation, you know, like, oh, I have to post on Instagram. I have to send out my newsletter. Like I have to do this. I have to figure out what I'm going to put in there. Like I'm just going to put this in there or I'm just going to post this. You don't have to do any of that stuff. It's an opportunity. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. And you've got to put into it if you want to get back from it. You don't have to do all of it, you know, but you need to do some of it. And when I went to school for writing, I had uh, this Robert Frost quote, and it goes, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader, no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. Like if you are not feeling it when you're making your reel or when you're writing your newsletter or whatever it is, like if you're bored making it, who's going to be excited reading it or looking at it? Nobody, probably. Like you have to have that. You need to be connecting. You need, you need to... You can't half-ass it. Yeah, I love that. That's a that's a great way to look at it. So, tell me a little bit about. I mean, you've you've talked a lot about it, or you've mentioned it, and I think it somewhat becomes a, a buzzword sometimes too. But having experienced what you've pulled together firsthand, talk to me a little bit about that role of community and all that you do. It's everything. <laughs> it is absolutely everything to my business. I would not have a business without this community that that we've curated you know it's that especially at craftcation you know it's that feeling that people should be getting when they walk in the door like oh this is a safe place you know like if i have spinach in my teeth the person who's talking to me is going to tell me you know they're not going to let me go all day you know if i get emotional about how my dog just passed away and i like let loose in a craft class and start crying like this is a place where i can do that if i share hey i don't even know what email segmentation is you know i feel safe to say i don't know here that is creating that community. I don't know if it's that way for every business, but because my business focuses on, you know, creative people who are, you know, sensitive, myself being one of them, different, you know, usually struggle with like anxiety and depression, like aloneness, you know, often like black sheep of the family type of thing. They need community. And so being able to you know, create this community for them and give them, like I talked about, this safe space that I need too is it's everything. I want to talk a little bit about kind of like just tell us a little bit about how you use the tools like available to you with constant contact. Like how are you using them? What is your approach? And like how do you make that all work for you? Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite tools since well, and I'll tell everybody 
Constant Contact was my first <laughs> email service provider when I first started out my business, when I moved from actually sending out an actual email to people to tell them about my craft show to, you know, having an email newsletter. And then I tried some others and I've been back for a couple of years now. It's been awesome. And one of my favorite things that I just started utilizing is the landing pages. They are so quick and easy to make. I mean, it's like, I'm one of those people who like gets the Ikea furniture and is like, I don't need the directions. I would rather spend twice as long putting this together without reading the directions. So mail merge. No, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So for a person like me, it was so easy for me to do that. So I've created several. And interestingly enough, my husband is starting a little cottage food business. He makes some sauces and he was in this small business incubator put on by the small business administration. And they were like, oh, you have to set up your email marketing. And he's like, what do I do? And I'm like, as a matter of fact, let me help you out here. So I set it up for him. So I got to see what it was like to start from zero, to start with no list, no anything. And to see that very, very beginning stage. And it was awesome. And I set him up a landing page. I mean, I did all of this in like an hour or two. And the bonkers thing is, is that he called me a couple hours later and he goes, did you tell Constant Contact to call me? And I was like, what? No. And he said, somebody called me and was like, hey, I see you just opened up an account. Like, do you have any questions? How's it going? And he was like, uh, good. I'm, you know, because <laughs> you don't get service like that from a big company. It was such a great example to me of like, see, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, this is why. Yeah. So that's something that I'm really loving right now because we'll have kind of like smaller events that, that we do or like online events where I don't want to create like a full blown, you know, landing page with all the images and everything like that. But I just want to know if somebody's interested in this particular thing, I want them to go on this list so I can make sure to give them this information. It's just so quick and easy to do that. And segmentation, I know you know what this is, but in case somebody is listening, doesn't know, like basically it's, you know, splitting up the people on your email list so that you're able to give certain people certain information. It just makes it so easy to do that. So I think right now that's my most exciting thing. I really like just the drag and drop, like just creating an email is very easy. And to keep it so that it's still visually on brand, everything like that. Um, the other thing I love is the sizing of the images. There's like a little arrow in the corner, um, which, you know, I hadn't had on, you know, in, with another provider and I would have to go in there and manually change it, you know, this width, that width. And it was just so frustrating going back. And if it was the wrong size, it would like take up the whole page. And so I feel like it's very intuitive design wise. If you had to, I guess, give a piece of advice to maybe another creative business owner that's getting started with Constant Contact, what would that advice be? Start before you're ready. <laughs> Don't wait until you have like, oh, I need to have a hundred people on my email list before I send an email. Just start building it into your business. Even if you only have two people on your email list and one of them is your mom, send that email. You can always reuse that content later. Like send that email and make it good. Don't just be like, I know nobody's going to read this. And be like, here's my new thing. Okay, bye. 
No, make it good because once you have more people on your list, you can go back and reuse that content. So don't stress that only two people are seeing it, but you can start to understand the process, start to figure out exactly how you want to use it for your business so that by the time you do have, you know, a hundred subscribers, you aren't just still trying to kind of figure out, figure everything out. So just get started, build your email list everywhere you go. Like always have a way for people to sign up at craft fairs, even just like carry around with you a QR code. Cause if you meet somebody and if you're somebody who, you know, you wear what you make <laughs> and somebody goes, Oh, I love your earrings. And you're like, Oh, I make them. You know, you can, here's my business card versus like I make them. I always send out, you know, discounts to my new subscribers on my email list. You can get 10% off. Here's the QR code to scan it. I mean, if you're putting that in somebody's face, like they're, you know, and you're offering them something. And I think that's the other thing too, is offer them something, offer your subscribers something. They're trusting you and they're giving you something. So give them something in return. And it can be something like 10% off coupon, or it can be, you know, if you don't want to do that and like, let's use the earrings as an example, maybe it's like, you know, a PDF styling guide, you know, how to style your hair when you wear long earrings, or these are, I don't know, I'm not a huge jewelry person. I'm sure there's like some very creative styling things somebody could come up with, but it's not me. We're at the top of the hour here. As always, I enjoy speaking with you. It's always great to see you. Anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? I think just for everything business, don't wait till you're ready. <laughs> just dive in and get started. I mean, if I just build that list. Do not only rely on Instagram or social media. Just don't do it. You've got to focus on email marketing as well. Well, friend, let's recap some items from that discussion. Number one, don't be afraid to embrace new technology. Remember when Nicole was hesitant about using a spreadsheet and mail merge? Well, she eventually got there and she learned to try to be more open about changing her systems because new tools actually helped her become more efficient. Now, the same may be true for you today, especially regarding marketing. You may be apprehensive about trying new things like AI or automation, but what you may find is that these tools help save you time and move your business forward. Number two, take a moment to let your accomplishments sink in. It wasn't until Nicole started looking at small business statistics for a social media post that she was creating that she really realized the rarity of what she's been able to do. No matter where you are with your business, you're actually taking some chances that not many people take. Remember to take some moments to reflect and feel good about your accomplishments. Number three, get things done by getting them on the calendar. Now, Nicole has learned that to get things done, well, she needs to get them on the calendar. And that work also needs to be non-negotiable, like a doctor's appointment. You've likely found this to be true with things that you've got to get done. And we found that the marketers that do schedule their work are most successful. So be sure to schedule the work. Now, here's your action item for today. I'd love for you to try the landing page feature in your Constant Contact account. Now, Nicole uses this feature when she wants to quickly gauge interest in something and get people on a list so that she can send a segment of people more information. And this feature makes that fast and easy. I'll include a link in the show notes for some information on how to create one of those landing pages. And one last thing, a reminder to join us for the Marketing for Makers free online digital marketing summit for creatives hosted by Constant Contact and Dear Handmade Life. That's on July 11th and 12th of 2023. 
It's going to be two days of free workshops from industry experts to help you create an on-brand strategy, content you love, and take the meh out of marketing. I'll include that link in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Be A Marketer podcast. If you have questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me directly at dave.charest at constantcontact.com. If you did enjoy today's episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. Your honest feedback will help other small business marketers like yourself find the show. Well, friend, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day and continued success to you and your business. Oh,